Welcome to the legacy teachings of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Church since 1979. Though these teachings are decades old, we invite you to get out your Bible, take notes, and get ready to receive the uncompromised teaching of God's Word. For more information about Christian Assembly Church, please visit us online at cafamily.net. And uh, we want to continue our series on prayer. Prayer. If you recall, we began to teach quite a while ago concerning the different types of prayer. Now, we've really settled down on only the first type, which is prayer that changes things. And uh, we've come to an understanding, and I hope you do remember this. We've come to a place of understanding that the prayer of faith primarily is used for your own needs. The prayer of petition and supplication is primarily, you know, used for your own personal needs. And sometimes people like to get, you know, prayers answered for other people and they go about it the wrong way. And because of it, when they don't see an answer to prayer, they immediately get upset and say, well, this doesn't work or I don't have any faith or my faith doesn't work. And, you know, if I get somebody else to pray for me, that'll be okay. It might work better that way. But I want you to realize that there are different types of prayer and the prayer of petition and supplication. The prayer of faith will be used to get your prayers answered, to get every one of your needs met. But when it gets into praying for other people, friends, you've got to realize there are different types of prayer. There's a prayer of binding and loosing, there's a prayer of agreement, there's a prayer of intercession. And the prayer of intercession is the prayer you pray for other people. And uh, it's a little bit different than praying the prayer of faith for yourself. It's a lot different, as a matter of fact. You know, so don't get discouraged because you prayed for somebody and they didn't make it. Or you prayed for somebody and they didn't get healed. Or you prayed for somebody and you didn't see results right off the bat. You know, just learn how to flow with God's program of prayer. Now, remember, you find these two scriptures. Uh, remember that we said that the prayer of faith or the law of faith makes prayer work. I think we emphasize that and reemphasize that. I believe we cannot overemphasize it. We just got to keep on saying it. See, really, prayer is really nothing but fellowshipping with the Father. Prayer is contacting the Father with our spirit. When we pray, our spirit comes in contact with the Heavenly Father. And so really, it's, it's more than what people think. It's not just, you know, saying a real quick prayer and just, just hoping that it gets answered. It's coming into a place of contact with the Father of spirits. Your spirit makes contact with Him. And, you know, words are expressed one towards another. And uh, when you leave that place of, of prayer and fellowship with Him, you know that your prayer is answered. Or let me say it like this. You don't leave that place of fellowship with Him until you know your prayer is answered. And that's why intercession takes longer. Because you're interceding for somebody else. And it's a little bit different when you have a third party involved. Uh, prayer is to be effective. I think sometimes uh, people think, well, we just prayed and, and you know... You know, if it didn't happen, that's all right. But if it did happen, praise God, we'll just shout about it. Uh, some people say when they get their prayer answered, well, I didn't believe it was going to happen. Like, it was so amazing that, that God answered their prayer. You know, they walk off and say, well, well, this happened. I couldn't believe it, man. God did this. And I couldn't believe it. Well, you better start believing it. It's not going to happen again. Because, you see, prayer is supposed to be effective, is it not? Prayer is supposed to be effective. It's supposed to be operative. It's supposed to work. Not only is it to be effective, it has to be accurate if it's, if it's going to be effective. Also, it's got to have God's Word in it. You see, the Bible never said that God was just going to answer what you say. The Bible said that He was going to watch over His Word to perform it. 
Prayer is taking the Word of God to the author of the Word. And when you're praying to the Father through His Word, this rises above your senses and it meets the author of God's Holy Word. And then it sets in motion His spiritual laws. And when His spiritual laws are set into motion, praise God, you know, you've got divine intervention, supernatural intervention on your behalf is, is beginning to work to change the things that surround you, to change the circumstances, to change the situations that are, uh, you know, existent in your life at, at that given moment or time. So prayer is not to be taken lightly. Prayer is not something that we just throw together. I, I heard someone say, well, you know, uh, we're just praying about it. Now, all we can do is pray. They have a little problem in their life, and, and, or they prayed for somebody, and it's not working, or they're not getting results. Well, I guess all we can do is pray. All we can do now is just pray, like as though that's not good enough. You know, all we can do is pray. Don't say that to the Father. What the Father's saying to you is what you can do is pray. What you can do is pray. Not all I can do is pray. What you can do is pray. And prayer is designed to work, not fail. Amen? But you see, we've got to be accurate in our prayer lives. And when I say accurate, I want you to hear me about what I'm about to say. I don't say this, believe me, in, in any way judging other men of God or anything like that. I'm saying this only for teaching purposes. At our meeting, I sat in a meeting yesterday with... With many ministers. There must have been about 35, 37. 37 ministers to be exact. And I, certain ones were called on to pray. And I'll be honest with you. If any of them prayers got answered, I don't know it. Because I'll tell you why. Every single one of them prayed to Jesus. Every single one. that I, I've listened. I, see, I'm, I'm an observer. I, I like to observe what's going on. I want to know how things work. See, I want to know what's going on. I want to know how... You know, to cooperate with God in His work in the earth, don't you? And I want to see how things work to get results. And every one of them start out their prayer. Now, dear Lord Jesus, we want you to... Now, the Bible clearly states to you and to me that we are to pray to the Father in the name of Jesus, not to Jesus. I do not hear the Father come out of one mouth. And I'm not saying that against anybody. I'm just saying that, praise God, I, I thank God that we can follow His principles and His laws. If He said to pray to the Father in the name of Jesus, who am I going to pray to? And I'll be, I'll be honest with you. You know, and this really gets to me because I don't know about you, but I've learned about my father. And it bothers me when everybody... And see, you've got be, you to be, you watch when you say things like this. You don't want to give the wrong impression. I love the Lord Jesus Christ as much as you do. But during, let's say, during the whole day of, of like an eight-hour period, nobody mentioned father. 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 All the worship, every song, and all the praises, and everything that was being said to was all directed towards Jesus. I love Jesus as much as you do, but Jesus said, worship the Father. He's looking for those to worship Him in spirit and in truth. If Jesus were to come here right now and appear to you in the flesh, He'd say to you, worship the Father in spirit and in truth. Pray unto my Father. I'm not going to pray for you anymore. He said, pray unto my Father, and He will give you the things you desire. Now, that's really a, a, a problem in, in Christianity. There's a lot of people, you know, they really come against Christianity because they say everybody's just, you know, Jesus is their God. Look, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God, Jesus came in the flesh, being God. But Jesus said as God, pray to the Father in my name. My Father is greater than I. And all these statements that Jesus made are true. We are to pray and worship the Father in the name of Jesus. 
That is his instruction. And if you're going to get results in prayer, if you're going to be effective in prayer, and if you're going to be accurate in your prayer life, you've got to pray to the Father in the name of Jesus. And you've got to worship the Father for the results in the name of Jesus. You follow me? Now, that is biblical teaching. You know, that you watch your life in every day and how, many, how, how much more you are saying to Jesus and, and, and worshiping Jesus instead of the Father. I've emphasized this and re-emphasized this time and time again. And what I'm saying to you is this, that Christians have got themselves into a routine that they are not obedient to what God's Word says. And His Word says, pray to the Father in Jesus' name. I'm talking about prayer. And worship the Father in the name of Jesus. And if you didn't follow me last time, we, we talked, the Scripture is clearly stated in Ephesians 5 and 20. Giving thanks unto the Father in all things in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. That means that my, the majority of the time, I should be saying, thank you, Father, in the name of Jesus. Oh, praise you, Father, that I'm healed. Thank you, Father, in the name of Jesus, that I'm healed. Thank you, Father God, in the name of Jesus, that my need is met. Thank you, Father, instead of just saying, thank you, Jesus. Are you following what I'm saying? Okay. I'm not trying to belittle the Lord Jesus Christ. As a matter of fact, I am showing you what Jesus said in reference to our relationship with the Father. Okay. Now... Here we have the prayer of faith and the law of faith. And the reason why I'm bringing you back, just, just to very real quickly reiterate some points and then carry on. We said that um, faith makes prayer work. People have the idea that once I prayed, that's all there's to it. That's all I have to do. I prayed and that settles it. You know, that's, that's the end of it all. But that's not true. Actually, once you've prayed, that's the beginning of it. When you have prayed, that's the beginning of the good fight of faith. Now here in these scriptures... Jesus again, and I will go over them again because I don't believe I can say these scriptures enough. Verse 23. For verily I say unto you that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. What shall he have? What shall he have? What shall he have? I can't seem to afford to pay my bills. What shall he have? I just can't seem to get my healing. What shall he have? There's just no way I can control these kids. What shall he have? Well, I'll tell you what. I can never find a job. What shall he have? Well, why are you saying that? Well, I'm trying to show you that that's the law of faith. That is the law of faith. It never seems to fail. Every time it's time to go to church, I can never make it. What shall he have? My husband just doesn't want me to go to church. What shall he have? My wife just doesn't want to study the Bible. What shall he have? Well, you see what I'm saying? I'm not saying it. I want to, again, get this into the, your innermost being. What did Jesus say he shall have? What did Jesus say you shall have? Whatsoever you say it. That, beloved, is the law of faith. The law of faith. That's a spiritual law. Prayer is designed to set spiritual law in the motion. In the motion. When I flick on the light switch, those, the laws that pertain to electricity, they begin to go in motion in my, you know, light bulbs or whatever, you know, you might need. But when you pray that prayer of faith, you are setting them laws in motion. And when they begin to operate, you are calling upon divine intervention to come into your circumstances and change them circumstances. That's what, that's what faith does in prayer. But prayer is the release of your faith. 
And when you release your faith, that law goes into motion. Now, if you shut off the, the motion of faith right after you prayed, you have nullified all that you prayed. So faith makes prayer work. Prayer does not make faith work. That's why he shall have whatsoever he's saying. You prayed for a job and said, Father, I need a job in Jesus' name. I'm thanking you for it now. And, and the first uh, person that came up to you and said, well, you know, how's the job situation? I just can't seem to find work anywhere. Well, you just negated your prayer. You uprooted your prayer. You prayed. Faith went into motion and began to operate. Spiritual law went into motion. Divine intervention began to take place. But the next breath you said, well, I just can't find a job anywhere. That turned off the switch of faith. Faith may, would have made your prayer work, but that's not faith. That's doubt. And when you wavered and doubted, then that turned off the law of faith. Do you see what I'm saying? Okay. So that's why he went on here to say in verse 24, Therefore I say unto you, now this is important about prayer. Therefore I say unto you, that what things soever you desire, when you pray, now what does this believing I receive got to do with the law of faith? The word therefore is a conjunction and it's, it's showing you and me that this next statement that Jesus is, is going to make is contingent upon this verse 23. And in verse 23, he says the law of faith. Therefore, because you shall have whatsoever you saith, when you pray, believe you receive. Now, why should I believe that I receive when I pray? It sets the law of faith into motion. And when I believe I receive it, I will continue to speak faith. And as I continue to speak faith then that law that's in motion will begin to become the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of what you don't see. But when you turn off the switch of faith by saying, I, you know, I didn't get it, then you're not believing you received when you prayed. It turns off the switch of faith. That's why Jesus put these two scriptures together. Okay. Now, really, we've come to this place. I've given you an outline. And let's very quickly go over the steps. Number one, you were to decide what you wanted from God. Decide what you wanted from God. Don't be indecisive. Be very, you know, specific in what you need or want from the Father. Step number two was we were to find the Scriptures, locate the Scriptures that promise us the answer. And when you locate those Scriptures, meditate them. And we shared with you the importance of meditation. Okay? And then these two steps are to be taken before you ever pray. See, some of you out there, you don't know where I'm at because you haven't heard some of these previous messages. I'm not a tape pusher. I'm just telling you for your own benefit. You better get the tapes and listen to them. Because you're not going to get what I'm saying to you in one service. Some people will get up and walk out of a service and say, Oh, that guy believes in positive, you know, thinking. And that's not what I'm teaching you at all. That is, that's the furthest thing. I'm teaching you something that's totally different than positive thinking. That's Christian science. But praise God, we believe in Christian sense. It's positively using the Word of God to change your circumstances for the good. Amen? Okay, now you, you, you get these two steps and make sure that you follow these two steps before you ever ask. I want you to note that there are steps to take before prayer and I want you to note there are steps to take after prayer. Prayer is the step number three. You pray to the Father in the name of Jesus. Now you've come to step number three. You've decided what you wanted from God. You've found the scriptures that promise you the answer. And you begin to meditate the scriptures that promise you the answer. You know, go over them inside out and outside in and every way you can think of. Do you get them deep inside your innermost being? Okay, now you get to a place that you ask the Father in the name of Jesus. That's the release of your faith. You ask the Father in the name of Jesus. And once you ask the Father in the name of Jesus, you were to have followed the other steps. Now, after you've asked the Father in the name of Jesus, you have more steps to follow. That's Mark 11, 23 and 24. You are to believe that you receive when you pray. That's as far as we've come. You are to believe that you receive when you pray. That's step number four. 
If you've asked him for a job, I always say this. Write down the time of prayer, write down the date, write down the hour, and be specific. That's when you've released your faith, and that's the time you're to believe that you've received it. If you asked him for $100 uh, yesterday, October the 30th at 1 o'clock in the afternoon, you write that down on a piece of paper, and you put it on your refrigerator door. You say, why on a refrigerator door? Because that's where most people are. That's a sure place to find it. Amen. On your refrigerator door. Amen. And so, you know, a place that you can see it. Because you have to keep reminding yourself of these things, you know. Peter says, I'm going to stir up your, put you in remembrance of the things that I've spoken to you, even though you know them. But you keep that around your house and you keep looking at that script or that piece of paper that says, I believe I received my $100 at one o'clock, on 1 o'clock, or I believe I received my job 1 o'clock, uh, Saturday, October the th uh, 30th, 1982. Okay, that's fulfilling the step number four. I believe I received. I believe I received. Okay, now, let me give you uh, an Old Testament counterpart. I believe that I introduced this. I don't know that I really got into it. Psalm 37, verse 4 and 5. This... These two scriptures are really Old Testament counterparts to Mark 11, 23, and 24. And really, they are counterparts to what I've been saying all along. Because I want you to know something. I want you to know that once you release your faith in prayer and believe that you've received, you are now ready to fight the good fight of faith. I want you to note that you are fighting the good fight of faith. Not demons, not churches, not denominations, not what other people think or believe. You are fighting the good fight of faith. That fight is revelation knowledge versus sense knowledge. God's Word reveals to you that you have received your need met. But the senses that are instigated by the world... The devil and the flesh are dictating to you that you have not received your prayer answered. That's where you're at right now in prayer. You're at a place right now that you've asked the Father in the name of Jesus. The Word tells you that you've received it, but the senses tell you that you have not received it. When I say the senses, I'm talking about, you know, the, the five senses whereby we hear, taste, touch, smell, and so on and so forth. The world, the devil, and the flesh will be dictating to your brain, to your mind, that you have not received it. And that it's impossible and it can't possibly work. Now, the battle that's taken place is sense knowledge versus faith. Or sense knowledge versus revelation knowledge. Or faith versus the senses. Whichever way you want to say it. And we're supposed to walk by faith, not by what? Okay. We're to walk by what God's Word says, not by what the senses are saying to us. Now, beloved, when you get to this area, we're talking about leaving the earth, going to another planet. We're talking about the sixth sense, faith. People understand about the five senses, but when it comes to the sixth one, they go, huh? What are you talking about? I'm talking about operating from another planet. I'm talking about operating out of the kingdom of heaven. And praise God, that kingdom has come unto me and unto you, right? Okay, now we're in another atmosphere. We're in the atmosphere of faith. Where it doesn't matter what I see, doesn't matter what I hear, doesn't matter what it looks like, doesn't matter what I feel, doesn't matter what it smells like. Glory be to God. I know the Word of God says it so. You're going to have a battle right there. Fight the good fight of faith. If it wasn't a fight, 
you know, that you had to fight, there would be no enemies. There are enemies out there. They're coming against you. They don't want your faith to work to get your results. They don't want you to get your job. They don't want you to get your $100. They don't want to get your husband in church. They don't want to get your wife to read the Bible. They don't want to do this. They don't want you to do that because if, if they stop you from doing these things, they'll hold you in bondage. So what you begin to do is apply and appropriate the Word of God. And instead of the devil putting the pressure on you, you put the pressure on the devil by the words of your mouth that are reaching the throne of God. And the Father says, I'll watch over my Word to perform it in your life. Now that's exactly you know, where we're at. That's exactly what we're doing. Now look at these two verses over here in uh, Psalm 37, verses 4 and 5. Delight thyself also in the Lord. Another thing that bothers me is that people that preach on certain scriptures but don't, know how, don't have any idea what these scriptures are saying. They only read them as nice scriptures. Wasn't that a nice scripture? Oh, it sure was. They are talkers of the word. You know, they love the word. They can think about the word. They can communicate the word. They can memorize the word. But they do not act on the word. Now, delight yourself also in the Lord is covering the first two steps that I gave you. Whatever you want, find the scriptures, meditate the scriptures that promise you the answer. That's clearly seen in Psalm 1 that says, delight thyself also. I'm, I'm sorry. His delight is in the law of the Lord and in his law doth he meditate day and night. That's what it means to delight. Remember the psalmist says, had I not delighted in your, in your word or in your law, I would have perished. Remember that? 119th Psalm, verse 92, I would have perished. But praise God, because I delighted in His Word, I didn't perish. Okay, now here's what he's saying. Delight yourself also in the Lord, and what are the results? He shall give you what? Mark eleven twenty four says, What things over you what? Desire. Okay, but look at the steps before actually praying your desire. Delight thyself also in the Lord. He shall give you the desires of your heart. Of your what? Not your head, but of your heart. This doesn't work out of head knowledge. It doesn't work because you know what the Word says. It works because it's gotten down into your spirit. Okay? Now, verse 5 is the second part to what this teaching is all about. Commit. When, that word commit means to entrust. Commit thy way unto the Lord. In other words, put in trust of. Put him in trust of. Whatever that need is that you've been praying about, you are to put him in trust of it. Now, how, you know, how do you put your, your money in, in, in a bank and put them in trust of your money? How do you put a bank in trust of your money? Well, you know, you go down there and you, 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 if you come into a new place, a new town or something, you get all your belongings together, you get, you know, your, maybe a, a bank draft or you've got a certified check from your other bank that you, you know, where you lived over in California somewhere. You moved over to here and you located a bank that you want to do business with. You got everything together and you went down to that bank and says, look, I'm putting you in trust of my finances. I'll tell you what, you don't realize how much you trust a bank until you sit down and think about it. When you went over there to Gimbel's and you wrote out that check for that dress, young ladies, all they had was a piece of paper. They didn't have any green money. What if the bank says, we was only kidding, we're not going to pay him. They'd get on your case, wouldn't they? They don't want to see your check. They want to see the money when it goes to that bank. You know, that bank says, we're only kidding. We're not going to give the money. You know, what are you going to do then? 
Think about that. But see, you see, I never thought about that. I know you better start thinking about it because I want to show you how you're not thinking about God. When you put God in trust of that situation, you do it just like a banker. When you put them in trust of your money, you don't walk away from that bank saying, Oh, I better not write out this check. What if they don't want to pay it? What if the bank refuses to pay? If you've got $1,000 in a bank account and the dress only costs 50 bucks, or a checking account and you only got a $50 dress, I mean, that's easy to, to, to realize that there's enough money to cover it. But you don't walk away and saying, Well, I, I've, I've written out a check for $50 for this dress. And walk away from it and say, well, now, honey, do you really think that they're going to pay for this? Do you really think they're going to give them the money? Isn't that a type of faith? That store has got to trust that you have enough money in that bank to cover that dress. That paper is not enough to enter into their account. They've got to have the money. You have trusted the bank and they have trusted you. But when it comes to God, it seems like people, they, they entrust Him... They give them their problem in one second, and in the next breath, they don't fulfill the next part of that scripture. Look what the next part of that scripture says. Trust also in Him. Entrust Him with your, you know, desire, and then trust also in Him. You've entrusted your finances to that bank. You put them in trust of your finances. They are handling your account. But you walked away from that bank and you were uncertain or didn't realize whether or not they would pay your bills when you wrote out your checks. Well, no one even thinks about that. That's absurd unless you really had problems with your bank. But really, the average person doesn't even think about it. As long as they do, all they do is look at the book, look at the book that says I've got, you know, $100 in my savings or, or checking account. I can write a check out for 20 and there's no problem. Well, here's another book to look into. Look inside that book. That book tells you with his stripes you were healed. That book tells you he, he himself took your infirmities, various sicknesses. That book tells you that he supplied all your need according to his riches and glory. You talk about a bank account? Hallelujah. And all you've got to do is draw from it? Okay. Now you have put the bank in trust of your money. You wrote out a check and you realized that there was enough to cover it and you knew there would be no problem. Now you've come to God in prayer. You've entrusted that desire that you have. To him, you have put him in trust of. He is in trust of that problem. Now, it was a problem before, but no longer is it yours. You've cast your care upon him. You said, Father, I need a job. In the name of Jesus, I'm asking you for that job. It's no longer my problem. I have put you in charge of this thing. Okay? Or it might be, like I said, $100 or a healing in your body, whatever the case might be. I put you in charge of this thing. But now you've got to trust in him. You've got to trust in him. How do I do that? We know what's involved in trusting God with what I have entrusted to Him. Well, if it was your healing, or if it was your job, or if it was your finances, when you walk away from that time of prayer, and you've released your faith, the Bible says you ought to believe that you've received it. And now that you've believed you've received it, He says right here in the next part of that verse, let's read the last part now. Commit thy way unto the Lord. Trust also in Him. And He what? Shall bring it to pass. Now here's what He's saying. You've made that demand on His ability. You've gone to Him in prayer. 
you've turned that problem or that care over unto him. You put him in trust of this business that you're, you know, dealing with. And you believe that you received it. Now, the believing you received it part is the trusting also in him part. Is he's in charge of it now. But now, every time someone comes up to you and tries to ask you, you know, or try to get you to get out of faith. Now, remember, I said right here is when you're going to start fighting the good fight of faith. You are to keep your trust in him. When someone comes up to your doorstep and says to you, you know, looks like you're not getting any better if it was sickness or disease that you prayed about. How do I trust in him? Your reply should be, and this is not positive, or this is not positive thinking. Please hear me. Once you have put him in charge of your health, and once you believe you receive because you had a fellowship with him, a time of communication with him, where you sat in his presence and you knew that he granted you your request, Remember, all these are points that are already established. I'm not just starting this message from today. These points have already been established. You know that he heard your voice. You know you have your request granted by God your Father. Now it's time to just trust in him. I am to sit back and even though it doesn't look like I'm any better, when that neighbor comes over to my doorstep and says, You don't look like you're any better. Are you getting worse? What are you going to say? Now, what you say will either keep your switch of faith turned on or it will turn off your switch of faith. And faith makes prayer work. Prayer doesn't make faith work. And if you walk away from that scene and you say, well, I thought I was getting better, but it looks like I'm not. I agree with you. You've just agreed to a witness of the senses. The world, the devil, and the flesh are warring against you now to destroy your faith. They're coming against not you, but your faith to destroy your faith so that the battle of sense knowledge will defeat you and your faith will not work. It turns off your switch of faith. But when that person came up to my doorstep and said, You don't look like you're getting any better. And I stand there boldly and say, Sir or ma'am, I didn't say I looked any better. I didn't say I felt any better. I didn't say it sounds like I'm any better. But I'm telling you that I have entrusted my Father God with my need. And praise God, I believe that I've received my healing because I asked Him for it in Jesus' name. And I will not refute His Word. His Word says that I received it and I believe I received it. And that settles it as far as I'm concerned. You've kept your switch of faith turned on. And as you keep that switch of faith turned on, you keep divine intervention flowing and you keep God's laws of spiritual laws in motion and bless God he is working this thing out so that you through your faith will drive that thing out of your body now hear me some people say well why does it take so long by faith well I'll tell you what you know sometimes you have a hundred pound problem and you've got only a twenty pound capacity for faith at that, at that given time you've stayed out of the word of God you've not been in the word of God uh, you let you, you know your word levels slip down and, and, and your faith is not very productive at that time and uh, the problem is about a 100-pound problem, and you're only operating in 20 pounds of faith. Well, I, I know as well as you do. You, brought, you rolled two bowlers together, one 20 pounds, one 100 pounds. Who's going to win? What's the first thing you did was you got back into the Word of God, back into praying in tongues, back into prayer, back in feeding your spirit. Listen to a tape. You got yourself isolated from the circumstances around you, and bless God, you begin to just operate in the Word. And finally, 20 pounds, 30 pounds, 40 pounds. 50 pounds. You got that inner man built up. Glory be to God. You just on shouting grounds now. 75 pounds, 80 pounds, 90 pounds. You kept the, the, the switch of faith turned on and you kept up against that boulder. Finally, 95 pounds, 100 pounds, 120 pounds, 130 pounds. And that boulder, that circumstance, your faith started to 
to yield a greater power than what that boulder of a hundred pounds was and your faith blows it right out you see what I'm saying that's why it doesn't just work like that you see because sometimes what we do is we get so involved in in circumstances and we get so preoccupied with sense knowledge evidence that the mountain you know is that big and here you're just operating from here well praise God that's why Jesus said to keep speaking to the mountain keep speaking to that mountain be thou removed be cast into the sea don't doubt in your heart but believe what you're saying will come to pass and what are you saying I believe that mountain of sickness is gone in Jesus name I believe that mountain of sickness is gone in Jesus name I believe it's gone in Jesus name what did Jesus say you shall have whatsoever you say he really designed this so that he can whether you understood it or not whether you knew how it worked or not if you would just take him at his word and start saying it it would happen I didn't know none of the things I'm teaching you right now but I began to operate in this thing because I believe that what Jesus said was true so I just took him at the one scripture I believe I received my answer to prayer and I have it and because of it I got my results and I didn't even know the principles that I'm giving to you right now but praise God all you got to do is just take him at his word and then begin to learn uh, concerning his spiritual laws okay so when I delight myself in the Lord uh, by committing my way to him then I begin to trust also in him in other words I believe that it's done I trust in him and what happened he shall see this is future tense he shall bring it to pass but how does he bring it to pass with you with you keeping on the switch of faith by saying he's answered my prayer he's answered are you getting that now I'm not talking about positive thinking. I am talking about practical application of the Word of God. I'm talking about using spiritual law, spiritual force against natural force. And praise God, the power of prayer is effective enough to drive out any circumstance and to change these things that surround us. As a matter of fact, let me say it like this. When you choose to look not at the things that are seen, and you choose um, to look not at the things that are seen, and you choose to look at the things that are not seen, that's when your faith level will rise up to a place that it will overcome and change the things that are around you. Change the things that are seen. But you've got to choose to look not at the things that are seen. That is an act of your own personal will. Now, there's where failure comes when people choose to look at the things that are seen instead of looking at the things that are not seen. Okay, that's how faith works. You say, why does it sound so complicated when you talk about faith? Because faith is not something you can see, hear, feel, taste, touch, smell. You can't do anything like that with faith. I can't get a microscope. I can't put it under there and find it. You see, these are things that are from another realm. It's the realm of the Spirit. You know it's time that the church got out of sense, knowledge, and back into faith? I mean, it is a high time that the church of the living God begin to stop operating by the five senses and get back to where they belong operating in faith in the resurrection of Jesus Christ and it's time that the churches and the ministers start preaching what faith is all about I don't want to preach empty words of men's wisdom but I want to preach to you words that are filled with demonstration of the spirit and of power so that you can be effective in your prayer life okay again I'm not going to take much more time on this I believe we covered it enough let's move on to the next step number five but although I can I can spend I can spend hours teaching on this one step alone it seems to be one of the most difficult things for people to do in the body of Christ is to understand that how you know this round works and how spiritual laws work if there's an electrician out there you know you know how those laws work and you can find out what's wrong and and you know what's not working right and you've got all kind of equipment where you can detect what the problem is and that so on and so forth but it seems like when it comes to spiritual things, we think that God is not organized. You know, when you start saying that God has certain laws that, that you know, govern um, 
the way he governs the way he does things, then we th seem to think that we're putting God in a box. And that's not true at all because Jesus came to teach us about supernatural laws. Okay, step number five. Eradicate, uproot, eradicate or uproot every thought, every thought, every imagination, every suggestion contrary contrary to the fact that you believe you receive. Not will receive, but have received at the time of prayer. Eradicate, uproot every thought, every imagination, every suggestion that's contrary to the fact that you believe you receive that you believe you receive. See, that's why patience comes in to play here. The Bible says that through faith and patience they inherited the promises, right? You may have done this in the first hour of prayer, after, after prayer, but when one day goes by and you don't see results, two days go by and you don't see results, a lot of people weaken and begin to faint. Well, the book of Hebrews tells us you have need of patience so that after you've done the will of God, you might inherit the promise, right? Okay, so eradicate or uproot every thought and, and imagination or suggestion that's contrary to the fact that you believe. Now let's turn to 2 Corinthians 10 chapter and we'll, we'll see it in the Word. Here, verse 3. Here we are, we've come to a place. We have come to a place that we've released our faith. We have come to a place that we believe that we received our need met. Now you mark this down. Here is where the battle begins. Here is where the battle begins. Fight the good fight of faith. You are fighting to keep your faith switch turned on. Your switch of faith on. And the devil, the world, and the flesh are coming against your faith to turn it off. I think if you can see that clearly, it'll answer a lot of questions. You, not only you, let me, let me put it just as it should be. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost are influencing you to keep your faith switch turned on. The devil... And the world and the flesh are coming against you to turn your switch of faith off. I gave you an example before. I said that when you pray the prayer of faith, your faith antenna goes up. You have reached into the realm of the spirit and you have put in motion spiritual law. You become an open target because a lot of people don't walk by faith. And so out there in that spirit realm... They see your hand up. You're about like I am right now. I'm the only one with my hand up in the air. Very easy to point out. Okay? So, the devil, the world, and the flesh are all coming against you. Against your faith, rather. And the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, they are influencing you to keep your switch of faith turned on. Now, you are in a position whether you can either have your faith be productive or your faith can fail. 
depending upon your faith, whether it's strong faith or weak faith. That's why I said build a foundation for strong faith before you pray your prayer of faith. There's a lot of people that don't build a foundation and they have a weak foundation and consequently when they pray their prayer of faith, the devil comes along with a little in their ear and their, their antenna of faith has already fallen to the ground. One little puff and, and he blows the house down, so to speak. You know, what do you say? The storms of life come against you, the winds blew vehemently against the house and it fell and great was the fall of it. Because you didn't build a foundation. You just pray without a foundation. What's the foundation that I'm supposed to build? The Word. Prayer should be taking God's Word and giving it back to Him because He says, I watch over my Word to perform it. Amen? Okay. Here, now notice this, you're in a fight. For though we, verse 3, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war. Well, if you're in a fight, that means you're in a war, right? We do not war after the flesh or the senses. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, fleshly, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down thought imaginations and every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought unto the obedience of Christ. Okay, let's stop there for just a moment and realize that we're in this warfare now and in this warfare, on our side, we've got the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost cooperating with us, influencing us to uh, produce a greater force than what the devil, the world, and the flesh are dictating to me, you know, through circumstances. you got a 100-pound circumstance, and on this side, your level of faith is op only operating at 20. Well, what we're doing is cooperating with Him to get ourselves to a place that our faith is stronger than that circumstance, that situation. And that only comes by me speaking God's word into my spirit and building myself up in the, on my most holy faith by praying in other tongues. You see, you see how this works? Okay, but now there are also enemies on either side and there are weapons on our side, there are weapons on their side. They have weapons that they use against us. But our weapons are not carnal, but they are mighty through God. You say, well, what weapon do I have? I've got the sword of the Spirit. I've got the name of Jesus. I've already won right there. But I'll tell you what. On the other hand, what do they got? They've got the power of suggestion. The power of deception. Where you can be deceived into using your own power against yourself and your own authority against yourself. All the weapons of the enemy are dethroned. They are powerless, inoperative, ineffective to destroy my faith unless some way he can deceive me into thinking that the giants in the land are far greater than what God's Word said to me. Now, if he can communicate that to me, then that sense knowledge will destroy my faith. I'll, I'll turn my switch of faith off. And it won't work. But when I begin to use the weapons of our warfare against every thought, every imagination, every suggestion that could come my way, and I begin to uproot them by the name of Jesus and by the Word of God, then my faith is still turned on and faith is working in the unseen realm to bring into this realm the reality of what I prayed for.
Okay? Now, I'll, I'll use an example here because I believe it's, it's important. I think, you know, healing is one thing that's, that's it's good because it's tangible. But I think probably the, one of the areas that's difficult to see is the area of faith, faith for finances. How can faith make a $100 bill? Well, faith is a substance of your healing. You know, it works together in that round to produce healing in your body and affect a cure in your body. Well, faith then is a substance that's going to be working out in that realm to cause finances to come into your possession. But it works by spiritual law. We have taken, my wife and I have taken the same principles that I am sharing with you. And in the time of our need, we have asked the Father in the name of Jesus for a certain amount of money. Okay? We got to the time of prayer and asked, let's say, let's, say, let's call it $100. We asked the Father and said, Father, we need $100. But remember now, I'm not starting here. We've already followed step one, two, and three. Okay? One, two, and three have been taken. We meditated the word. We know what we wanted from God. We are cooperating with Him. We're not living in open sin. We're walking in fellowship with Him. And we're communicating our need to Him. Okay. Now, we've taken the word of God and we presented it to the Father. We said, you, you supply every one of our needs according to your riches and glory of Christ Jesus. And now, Father God, we need $100 now. You know, we need it. I need it now. Faith is always in the what? Now, not in the future. Okay, so we asked them for it and said, Father, we need $100. I'm asking you for it in the name of Jesus. At that point, you're to believe you receive. I believe I received it right now, such and such a date, hour, and time. Okay, now you're ready to fight the good fight of faith. When I talk about thoughts, suggestions, and imaginations that exalt themselves against the knowledge of God, what's the knowledge of God? Well, the knowledge of God is the word that said, I've received my need met. I believe I have it in my possession. I thank you for it, Father, in Jesus' name. I thank you for my $100. Thank you that I have my $100 in my possession. Thank you for it, Father God, in Jesus' mighty name. Okay? And the first thing the devil's going to do, and the world's going to do, and the flesh is going to do, is whisper in your ear something to this effect. You're never going to get that $100 that you need. And if you entertain that thought and imagination, then he's going to come along and give you another thought and imagination. Now, where do you think that that money's going to come from? Do you think it's going to fall out of the sky? Do you think that it's just going to just, uh, you know, drop down out of a tree? Well, you could sit there and listen to that, or you can sit back and take the authority of God's Word and cast down that thought and imagination. Now, listen. If you don't cast down these thoughts when they're thoughts, then they become imaginations. Jesus said, take no thought saying. When you start saying what that thought is dictating to you, you are taking that thought. Once you begin to say it, it becomes an imagination. You begin to imagine this. It begins to, you know, work in you. Well, if you keep, you know, get it to it becomes imagination, it's going to develop into a stronghold. If it develops into a stronghold, you're going to get bound by it. It's going to shut off your faith altogether. It'll shut off your faith. So you've got to catch these things right when they begin, knowing that they're coming, recognizing them, and dealing with them right at the moment when it's a thought. Now, cast down that thought by saying something to this effect. Okay, you asked for $100 and you believe you received it. Okay, here's how I eradicate that thought. The devil said or, or, you know, someone said or whatever, wherever it came from, the thought came and said to you, do you really think or you're not going to get that $100? You're not going to get it. Where are you going to get it? Where is it going to come from? Is it going to fall out of the sky? Here's what you do. Have fun with this. Begin to rejoice at this. Devil, I'm telling you something in the name of Jesus. I'm not going to get anything. I've already got what I prayed for. Don't you see it right there in my hand? You say, that sounds foolish. Who cares how foolish it sounds? 
The Bible says, I've taken the foolish things of this world to confound the wise. If that sounds foolish to you, I'm confounding the wise. Hallelujah. Because I'll tell you what, you may not see it right then, but because my faith's working, when it becomes a, a green $100 bill, then who's going to have the last laugh? Hallelujah. Okay, now this is how this works. So you begin to tell, uh, just speak right on back, with the word and with the name. I believe I received my $100 and I've got it right there. You see it, devil, right there, right now. I'm not going to get anything. I've got it. Okay? That's what the word says to do. And I mean to tell you, you will watch him shut his mouth like that. You will shut that. He has no weapon against that. He has no way to destroy that which you've already said. Because that's the word. And in the name of Jesus, I resist you and I cast out every thought imagination right now. And once you've done that, he has no weapon. The only way he can destroy that faith is if he comes along with suggestion, imaginations and thoughts, and produces strongholds, it'll destroy that faith from working and you'll never get it. You say, well, how is God supposed to get it to me? Listen, I've learned this a long time ago. If God can do it by sending a fish up with money in his mouth, if God has got to go get a St. Bernard somewhere with a you know, bag under his jaw and have a... <laughs> and have a, a paper bag in it with a thousand dollars in it and run it over to my doorstep. I don't know where he got it. I don't question it. Whatever way he got that's his business. That's not my business. My business is to do my part. His business is to do his part. Your business is to do your part. Don't try to do God's business. Here's what I'm saying to you. I don't care where it's coming from. He don't care where it's coming from. All your part is to believe that you received it. And once I believe I've received it, wherever it comes from is up to him. Okay? And he will work in the earth to get it channeled into your, into your hands. We've done this and been successful. We've done this with specific, specific amounts of money and we've had them right in our hands by operating this way. You say, do you just walk around doing that all the time? No! You begin to learn how to walk in the laws of prosperity. And you'll begin to see that, that you know, God will cooperate with you in the laws of prosperity and it'll just be an open channel of blessing when you begin to learn but while you're learning about this thing you may have to ask for specific amounts and you know you may need a specific amount and you have to be specific in asking and you will get it and you, you know he'll he'll see to it that he provides it but once you begin to flow in this thing you don't stay there forever you just begin to operate in uh, giving and receiving and I'll tell you what you can have a nickel in your pocket and that's the only thing you own on this earth. If you've learned the laws, you know what you do with that nickel? Boy, you'd flick that over to somebody that was poor and say, here, have this in Jesus' name and the Lord will give you a hundredfold return. I mean to tell you, that's how God works. You say, I don't have a nickel to give. Then give a suit off your back. Give something. Whatever thing you know you got to give, you give and cooperate with these laws of prosperity and you see how God will begin to, you know, give back to you a hundredfold. Good measure, pressed down, shaking together, running over. You say, boy, you start talking about this, you're going to start, you know, getting people upset about, you know, you... Preaching that people should have money in the church. Everybody I hear on the radio is preaching against it. Everybody here I hear on, a on TV, they're preaching against people to talk about you can believe God for finances. Listen to the end of their program. At the end of their program, they ask you for money. Now you ask them this question, where do you, you want me to get it, sir? Still? If you don't send us a donation of $100, we're going off the air. You just told me I shouldn't have it. You're preaching against it. You see what I'm saying? Totally contrary to what's, what's the, the, what the Word says. The Word says He supplies every one of your needs according to His riches and glory of Christ Jesus. And your asking will not be selfish, but your asking will be to promote the kingdom of God. I've asked the Father for finances. You know why? To give to a ministry. I said, Father God, I need a certain amount of money. I want to give it to that ministry right over there. I believe I receive it in Jesus' name. But I'll tell you what, it came in on angels' wings, but what did you do with it when you got it? Well, I'll tell you what, we could have used it at the time. 
but we didn't. I said, Father, I asked you for this money for that ministry over there, and I'm giving it to that ministry over there. When you get up into heaven and, and, and the Father says, why don't you support that man over there when he asks for money? He don't want to hear this business about, you know, well, I didn't have it to give. He said, if you had asked me, I'd have given it to you, and you could have given it to him. I read, I read articles in, in uh, some newsletters all the time. Someone writes in and says, well, we sold our property. You know, we couldn't sell it, but we heard about faith. We learned how it worked. And so we sold our property, and the first thing we did was we wanted to give you the money to a, to a ministry because God told us to do this. Okay? Because they learned the laws of, of, of you know, giving and receiving. They learned how faith works. Now, I never hear these people that are preaching about faith. I never hear them begging for money. You never hear them getting at the end of a broadcast and saying, we're going off the air because we don't, you don't give... You've got to realize that these things work and they work properly. Now, if you want to let the, the, the devil, the world, and, and the flesh, and if you want to let all these things be prosperous around you, Christians are upset about pornography. Christians are upset about drugs. They're upset about alcohol. But they don't want to have any money. They want to give it to all those promoters of drugs, alcohol, sex, and illicit sex, and all this stuff. They want to promote them, give them the money to promote it, but they don't want to give anything to the, to the gospel. Now, my Bible tells me that if I and you, as the body of Christ, begin to be prosperous, then it means that the money that was in the earth that was going towards pornography and alcohol and, and sex and all this stuff is now going into the furtherance of the gospel, not for Satan and his bunch. Now, you see how that is solid thinking? You see how that's sound teaching? Amen. Why let them be prosperous and use it wrongly when you can be prosperous and use it correctly for the gospel? That's an upset on that subject. Okay, but you're to cast on every thought and imagination. Let's go to step number six. So we can finish this, and then tonight we'll go into another type of prayer. Step number six. Constantly meditate. Constantly meditate on the Father's goodness. On the Father's goodness. Constantly meditate on the Father's goodness and the scriptures that you based your answer on. Constantly meditate. See, you're still, you're fighting a good fight of faith. There are things to do before prayer. There are things to do after prayer. Constantly meditate the scriptures. Constantly meditate the Father's goodness. Now, what this does, it causes your faith to be very productive and active. When I think about how good my Father is, I have no problem believing that He's going to supply my need. When I begin to realize how much He loves me, and how he said he would provide for me, and so on and so forth, I begin to realize, you know, how it's easy to believe him for whatever that need was, $100, whatever that case might be. All right, step number seven. I'm, let me give you some scriptures. Step number six. Philippians 4, 6 through 8. Philippians 4, 6 through 8. Think on these things that are lovely, good report, any virtue, any praise, and uh, the peace of God that passes all understanding shall protect your heart and your mind. Protect your heart and your mind from what? i got to go there. I, I, I just, I've got to go there. Go to Philippians 4. Praise God, praise God, praise God. Philippians 4. Now, here again is your prayer scripture. Verse 6. Be careful for nothing, but in everything. By prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your request be made known unto God. Now, see, you've done this. And the peace of God which passeth all understanding. See, your understanding is your sense knowledge. It's not going to understand how you can receive $100 just by asking God for it. Well, forget. You don't trust God with your head. You trust Him with all your heart. You don't lean into your own understanding. Amen? Okay, the peace of God which passes all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds 
through Christ Jesus. Now see, the peace of God acts as an umpire. When you cast down imaginations, you've got to know what's the thought of God or what's not you know, against the laws of God, what is against the laws of God, and what's you know, against the laws of God. You've got to know that. So the peace of God will act as an umpire. And it'll just, just, just what it says, act as an umpire concerning your heart and your mind. And when that thought comes sliding in at home plate, you know, it'll stand there and say, you, you're out. Just like that. You, you're out. Because you'll realize and know that that thought should not be there. That imagination should not be there. That suggestion should not be there. It's designed to turn off the switch of faith. And so you'll, you'll just let that peace, you won't have peace. When that thought comes, it'll just do something inside you. It'll disrupt the peace. And so when it disrupts that peace, you, you look inwardly when a thought or a suggestion comes. If it doesn't give you peace, it disrupts that peace that you've had, then you've got to cast that thing out. Cast it down. Eradicate that thing up. Really get it out. You don't need that thought because it's affecting your peace. So that's why the peace of God will protect, you know, anything from coming in and turning off your switch of faith. And Isaiah 26, 3 is another scripture that will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee, because he what? Because he trusteth in thee. Trust also in him. And as you are trusting in him and keeping your mind on him, he'll keep you in perfect peace. And perfect peace is designed to work and operate to keep you in perfect faith. Do you see that? Because when your peace is working perfectly... Then every thought that's coming in to, to, to destroy and uproot your faith, it'll act as an umpire to get rid of it, and it will not affect your heart nor your mind until God brings it to pass in this, spirit, in this realm, from the spirit realm. Okay, I want to give you an example. Last step, let me give you the last step first. Offer praise and thanksgiving and boast on your Father even before you see the answer. Offer praise and thanksgiving and boast on Him. Oh, Father, I just thank you that you've met my need. Oh, you're so great. If the earth was removed from beneath me, I wouldn't even fear because you're so great. Your everlasting arms are beneath me. You're so wonderful. You, you, part of the Red Sea. Man, you made, you know, uh, the, the, the mountain to shake and to quake and smoke come off that mountain. You made a, you appeared to Moses in a burning bush. You caused all the, these things that happened back there under the old covenant, all the wonderful things that took place. You made a man to rise up from the dead, from the bones of Elisha, the prophet, and, go, you know, and all you're asking for is a hundred bucks. Now think about that. Now you think about the God you serve. He raised up Jesus from the dead. He raised up Lazarus from the dead. He parted the Red Sea. He shot down fire and lightning from heaven to consume those that was uh, opposing his ways. He sent down fire by the word of Elijah the prophet to prove to Israel that he was the God of the heaven and all the earth. He caused the universe to stop and go back ten degrees just to show Hezekiah that I am the Lord that healeth thee. And I can go on and on and on and on and on and on. And all you asked for was a hundred dollars. That's right. That's ridiculous. It's, it wouldn't be funny, you know, it wasn't so pathetic. He can part the Red Sea, but he cannot meet my little need. You see, now, you see why boasting on him will cause your faith to rise up to a place that you know that, praise God, this God that I'm serving is more than enough to meet that need of mine. That's a little thing compared to him. That keeps you in the atmosphere of faith. And it keeps your faith strong and keeps it working. Okay? And it keeps it turned on. All right. These are the steps. 
How much time we have, brother? Two more minutes. I wanted to give you an example. Write down these scriptures. Here's an example for fear. I'll give you the scriptures and then I'll explain it after. 2 Timothy 1 7. Isaiah 41 10. Isaiah 43 1 through 3. Psalm 46 1 through 3. Psalm 27 1. Luke 12, 32, Hebrews 13, 5, and 6, and John 14, 27. Okay? Okay, we'll close that right there. These are the scriptures. But all I want you to do is go over these scriptures, and let's say your situation was concerning fear. And take these steps that we've just given you. Someone says, I've had hands laid on me. I've had the spirit of fear cast out of me 152 times. I've been through 175 deliverances, and I'm still afraid. You need to sit down and listen, okay? You can change all that. Amen. Now, here are the scriptures. If you were to take these scriptures... And begin to meditate them and go over them constantly and uh, begin to realize what they're saying feed them into your inner man and uh, begin to cause faith in the reason why God said you shouldn't fear be operative in you I guarantee you by God's Word you'll get to a place you'll rise to a place above fear so that you'll never have to fear again. Thank you for listening to our legacy teachings. We pray today's message has a profound impact upon your life and your ministry. I want you to know that God loves you, has a great plan for your life. But if you've never made Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of your life, I'd like to invite you to do that right now. Just pray this simple prayer right after me. Just say, Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I open the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart now. I receive you and accept you as my personal Savior and Lord. If you prayed that prayer with me, you're a child of God right now, and I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.